0: Now if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. What is up? My name is Evan Singler. And I'm Eddie Ernst. And this is the PTA Tapes, a podcast where we go, tell them, Eddie.
1: Behind the scenes of physical therapy.
0: That is right. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. We want to talk to people about their story. What makes them different and how others can channel their difference to also be successful so put the tape in and let's roll
2: we're coming back
3: on the air after an interruption due to technical problems
0: what is up everybody welcome back to the pta tapes podcast the podcast where we go behind the scenes of physical therapy with the pta perspective You already know what it is, you know what we do, you know what we're about. We're back with part two of Tape 15 with the BFR Pros, Nick, Jordan, Mario, sickest dudes out. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Tape 1, go check it out, because all this information in Tape 2 is going to stem off that. So if you're here and you've listened to Tape 1, enjoy, we got some more good information for you. Not even going to keep going, let's get into it tape 15 part two bfr pros let's do it
4: all right jordan brought up some awesome points um i think how you create that uh that therapist patient alliance is really going to just be through the language you use we extensively at this i think 21st century juncture in regards to um right, KISS principle, keep it simple, smarty. We know that if we help to keep things on the positive end of things, we can greatly influence our patient's perception of their own abilities, right? So if we're talking about like pain science, um, the body has immense amounts of inputs, right? You can consider that BFR is, or exercise in general, is an input to the body. We are teaching the brain. We can see that even when elderly people apply BFR and then stop BFR for a a long period of time, they actually still retain a lot of the strength that they've gained when they performed the BFR. And that means that we're simply helping the brain to into a uh, more common uh, recruitment of higher threshold motor units, right? Because that is a motor learning effect. So uh, the language that I like to use with my patients, it will depend. Again, I, I do work even, if, even though I'm in private practice, a lot of my Parkinson's patients are over the age of 40. So my my general conversation with them about BFR is we're at a point in time where we can't be exposing ourselves to uh, the normal amounts of uh, exercise that would help you to recover faster and recover better. So we're going to use BFR that's going to help to bring that down considerably and allow you to get the changes you need to get back to your life. We're going to take you through a a stair-step process through these pillars and each time that we progress to the next pillar, We're gonna talk about some of the benefits that are happening, but also what I need you to do at home. And each of those pillars has a different approach in terms of home exercise program and the responsibility that we wanna place on that patient. And obviously if we're in an acute setting, that's gonna vary considerably because that patient is under management and care by a physician, an attending physician and an attending nurse staff. But I think as BFR continues to progress, we'll have more uh, more insight into how we can um, aid those patients throughout their uh, different envir- or different um, practice settings as they go from pre-op to post-op to acute to home, you know, to potentially maybe needing home health, um, and then all the way to uh, you know outpatient PT. Um, when it's an athlete who is uh, who's more advanced, like Jordan talking about crushing, you know, uh, more of your your healthy individual. Yeah, I definitely think the conversation is a, is a bit more um, uh, more kind of. Direct towards uh, what their goals are, and how BFR is going to allow them to either you know reduce the amount of uh, joint loading that they have if there's a joint problem, uh, reduce the amount of time it takes to make change. You know we see change respective with BFR. We're talking about uh, endurance, you know, based adaptations in uh, oftentimes as short as about maybe three weeks in training uh, programs that might be as short as five to fifteen minutes uh that otherwise would require maybe 45 minutes you know to achieve at higher intensity so you know for somebody who's really focused on their aesthetics who's focused on their health which we're finding more often than not than now right we got a lot of baby boomers who are living a lot longer who have way more um uh, money than maybe the past generations did so they've got you know uh, uh what do we call this um uh i'm trying to think of public income yeah they've got Excess income. Yeah, excess income, or they basically have, you know, flexible income, right? Where they want to live longer, you know, they want to have, they understand that they need to make some lifestyle changes as they get older, BFR is an awesome opportunity for them as well. So yeah, so I think it's, uh, it really is, it depends who you're talking to. And obviously, if it's a patient who's post-op or a patient who's pre-op and they're afraid of the surgery, we got to tailor that conversation, you know, around not creating a nocebo effect So I think it's important that um, we understand the mechanisms as clinicians, but we find a way to connect with that patient and in time, introduce to them what may be relevant, right? I know a lot of patients, especially with like Parkinson's disease, I'm not gonna be talking about increasing muscle mass, I'm not gonna be talking about, you know, um, improving uh, mitochondrial function, but what I might tell them is when we perform BFR, we're gonna really help your brain to organize movement better and we're going to be helping to teach your brain also to um in a sense visualize your limb or have feedback from your limb um to a capacity that is maybe difficult for us to do it might actually be dangerous for us to do i don't want you to lose balance i don't need you to fall and plus i don't want to wreck the rest of your day you know you got you got your life you got to get back to so um yeah i think it's when we when we narrow it down to goals that's when we get to what we need to with that patient. But you gotta know the science. You know, you can't just, you know, uh, be, a, be a bull in a china shop and everyone's gonna do 30 reps and then three sets of 15 and we're gonna be at 30% one RM. Like, you, you're gonna crush your patients, man, if you're doing BFR correctly, you know? Uh, there's a lot of products out there that that are not BFR, meaning they're not following the research in terms of um, uh, either cuff design or application with a Doppler. So, you know if you're not doing it right you may just have that uh that preconceived notion that you're more capable than you are and you're like ah, i'm doing bfr and you know i can put this on both limbs and and do crazy stuff or i can put it on all four limbs and i'm gonna get an awesome effect what are you doing you know that's not that's not what the literature is showing us it's not safe at all so yeah
0: nothing. Awesome. um
1: go ahead Sorry, go ahead eddie Oh, I was going to say, I, I liked, I mean, obviously all of that, but I, one part that I'm really looking forward to with hopefully implementing BFR in the future myself um, is making that, uh, like you're talking about the home exercise plan, where you can make it different from what you're doing in the clinic. So that way, I think you get more buy in from patients because they're like, well, you know, I can be doing these sit to stands at home. Why am I paying you to do sit to stands here when I could just be doing these at home? But when you add that extra extra level of, of BFR and the different things you can do with that, I, I think you can create a lot more buy-in, um, on that end. Um, so one thing I kind of wanted to touch on that you kind of just mentioned there, um, is those kind of different products that are out there. So like the voodoo floss or something, um, there's like different bands that people use versus a tourniquet. Um, so you can, can you guys go into kind of the differences there? Um, and then kind of leading into the athletes room, cause that's where I kind of got first introduced to BFR probably 6 7 years ago where i saw some dude with like a theraband tied around his arm and he was doing bicep curls with it and it was like oh it's the greatest thing ever and, you know it was bro science at the time and i was like 16 so i threw it away but um so can you kind of get into that and then as far as like using it with athletes um uh what are you guys like how are you guys implementing it with the athletes and since they are generally healthy are you using it for warm ups so using it for kind of rest days active rest days like what are you guys using it for there
4: I'm going to let you guys do the, those questions. I'm just, I'm going to hit the first question you had, which is like the design, like design. And the reason why I'll handle that question is because I've worked with a lot of companies uh, that have made BFR products. So um, when I started with BFR, probably sometime around, I'd say uh, around 2013 or so, um, I wanted to bring something to market that was affordable. I wanted to bring something to market that was starting to use some of the research. And uh, so as I started looking around, I uh, got involved with uh, the occlusion cuff. And uh, this was a cuff that was made in China. Uh, it, it was very poorly made. And it was kind of this you know, gimmicky kind of prototype. Uh, but you know what, they had a gauge. There's millimeters of mercury. I can uh, at least, you know, um, standardize or replicate you know, what I'm doing. Problem was, it was so cheap that it just kept leaking. Um, And the reality was that as I was watching the wave of BFR research, kind of focusing more and more outside of just athletes and on patients and in rehab, I started noticing that you know the APTA is taking a lot of focus on BFR. And we are medical providers. And we likely should be using something that is a medical device. And at that time, and still currently, the occlusion cuff is not. So I very quickly kind of moved beyond that. Um, I began starting to do some work with uh, Owens Recovery Science and uh, they were using a uh, retrofitted surgical tourniquet uh, that is literally the same exact tourniquet in the OR room um, that was uh, now allowing for the pneumatic system inside to regulate pressure and uh, and it was all well and dandy. Uh, There wasn't really a whole lot of uh, supportive evidence as to why that um tourniquet should be inflating and deflating during exercise. Uh, the conversation is, well, it'll maintain you at a specific pressure. Uh, but if we're if we're really understanding BFR and we are understanding how the increase in metabolites um, will force your brain to make the changes necessary to fire more muscle at a higher threshold, the likelihood is that we should be having a little increase in some of the and some of the actual um, pressure behind the tourniquet if we're likely going to be doing that. And mind you, it's quite safe. I don't see any sort of risk of uh, performing BFR with or without a, a computer, especially if we're talking about where we stand now currently. So when I left Owens Recovery Science, um, Nicholas, Jordan, myself, we put our heads together and said, you know what? We need to improve accessibility. Uh, we don't know yet enough about manufacturing, but we know what the science shows. We understand that you know, the tourniquet build is important The materials of the tourniquet itself are important and that we really need to be hitting this with a Doppler. Um, we so happen to cross paths with Smart, uh, SMART Tools, uh, which is a U.S.-made product. They were already an FDA-registered medical company, and we're like, hey, do you guys have the ability to make an FDA-listed cuff so that you know, we're on par with you know, having another medical device in the market like a Delphi unit, but let's bring down the cost. You know, we don't need a computer. The science shows us that a computer ultrasound and a handheld ultrasound are about eight, plus or minus one millimeter mercury different when we're assessing limb occlusion pressure. So uh, that was awesome. That means, hey, you know what? We can make BFR now more accessible because the large populations that we work with really need to have that benefit. And I think more than anything, BFR doesn't need to be this ivory tower treatment, right? Doesn't need to be something that's only for the elites. And I felt that that's what I was doing for a long period of time. In fact, a lot of uh, clinics that I certified uh, with the Delphi unit a year, two years out, saw not even a single unit. One is one instance I had had somebody actually crowdfund a Delphi unit, and again, I'm not speaking bad about them. I think if we're looking at the science, that tourniquet can do it. But equally, if we're looking at the science, Smart Tools tourniquet can do it too. And as the BFR pros, you know, we're not here to tell you you should buy one, you should buy the other. Uh, sure, we have courses, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, but we we really are about Uh, Trying to get individuals to understand that um, the tool is important. We are medical providers, and even for somebody who's like a strength coach, you know, you want to be using a tourniquet that you can bet money on. That's going to be able to hold that pressure. That's not going to leak. You're not throwing your money away. And I will go into kind of calling out another product. Uh, So be strong. A lot of people have bought Be Strong because they did some incredible marketing at the front end. Unfortunately as they themselves even state their tourniquet is not designed to occlude arterial flow. So therefore you have no ability to actually measure an individual's limb occlusion pressure, which is the pressure needed to cut off the artery, right? Think of this as a very simple example in your mind. You got plumbing going in, you got plumbing going out. All I'm doing is blocking the plumbing going out, which in reality, it's about less than 50 millimeters of mercury to do to your veins, right? They're superficial. If I hold my arm and start pumping it, you're going to see some nice vein, you know, poppage, not as much as these two guys, Uh, Do more volume, I think, but, um, uh, you need to have more pressure in order to slow down the flow in so that the flow in isn't continually pushing the flow back out. Right? So, um, having a tourniquet system that's multi-chambered, that's narrow, um, what would you say? We've seen those systems go as high as what millimeters of mercury and still achieve no arterial occlusion? Hundreds. I've seen one go up to about 500 millimeters of mercury and yep. achieve no arterial occlusion. Wow, jeez. I wow. mean, yeah. mind you, you would be better served if the goal simply was to occlude an artery through the use of an, an emergency tourniquet, a mattress strap, or a knee wrap. Unfortunately, though, it's not standardized, you can't individualize it to the person. And you run the risk of too much pressure in one area, and that definitely can create risk. So mitigating those risks really boil down to science demonstrating wide tourniquet, single bladder system, you need to be using a Doppler. And in our capacity, obviously we wanna use something that is a medical device. I think that does give us some um, uh, liability uh, protection on our end to say that we're using something that has had um, enough checks and balances in there so, um, yeah, I'm going to feel that part. Let's go to question two. You asked, which was more talking about kind of the, you know, the, the introduction of BFR out of rehab with some athletes. So let's maybe talk about like late stage ACL. Um, yeah. these are maybe some athletes that are starting to get back into some play and maybe let's just talk about like endurance training, why that would be important for them. Um, you know, some low intensity progression to high intensity and we kind of maybe just there's some you know maybe pillars two and three yeah i mean so
3: typically you have an acl acl meniscus repair or just an acl repair and the main priorities you're looking for in the early stage rehab are preventing atrophy and getting quad strength quad strength in and of itself um has been shown to be a factor in long-term ACL rehabs up to even two years of discrepancy. So early stage rehab in ACL would be kind of pillars one and two uh, and even three with just getting the ischemic preconditioning to acclimate the stimulus, some low load cell swelling with something like a Russian stint to work on uh, end range quad control and, and, and extension. And then getting them walking to to, to promote some local cardiovascular uh, endurance uh, type activities, and uh, and then obviously progressing to the low load rehab, typical of all the research. And so you then you you then progress them through those pillars, and now you're talking about a situation where how, at least in my mind, and again, I, there's other two other clinicians here. Um, But my mind, end-stage rehab for ACL is sports-specific training and specifically sports-specific training with uh, an emphasis on fatigue. And so how can we then do sports-specific training and utilize BFR? Well, the the research on BFR in terms of reduction of, of maximum voluntary force uh, is definitely elev- Is definitely significantly reduced for at least an hour. Usually, typically up to twenty-four to forty-eight hours. That actually gets a little bit less as you become more acclimated to the to the stimulus. But at least it gives us a window of time in terms of if I'm trying to uh, see how the body is reacting in a fatigue state. So how I would use BFR is, in, in an end stage rehab would be fatiguing the targeted muscles, so quads, hamstrings, calves, and then and to mimic something like fourth quarter basketball game or the last five minutes of a soccer match and then do sports-specific training like cutting, running, jumping, et cetera. Um, that would be something that would that, that would be done. BFR could potentially be done prior to those or it could be done in a capacity where now we're looking at going more toward bridging toward the fourth pillar which would be high intensity exercise with BFR. So now we're talking about not just cre- creating a localized muscle adaptation, which would be the low intensity cardio. Um, but now we're talking about improving systemic uh, delivery and utilization and getting higher levels of muscle activation because now our force requirements are now higher. Because generally when we're talking about high intensity interval exercise with BFR, we're, we're more programming along the lines of 20 to 30 seconds uh, to to get a lot of uh, that anaerobic system stressed, and then either providing BFR during the rest periods or during the actual exercise itself. Again, they're varying different ways that you can approach that problem, but ultimately the goal is to enhance peak power, enhance the ability to generate force over a longer period of time. Uh, mean power is what you, you 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 know kind of call that. And uh, in doing so, being able to utilize the underlying physiology, the physiological adaptations, which would be improve lactate threshold, improve uh, lactate, the ability to clear lactate, and operate at a higher level. Um, So those are kind of the end stage uh, ways that at least I would view um, BFR in something like an ACL rehab.
2: Um, So I'd assume that after after. you know talking about all the applications that bfr can have it starts opening up the idea of like oh wow there's a lot of things you could do with bfr mm-hmm. and there's a lot of opportunities to individualize what you're doing with bfr to a specific person's goals wherever they are in in those stages whether it's rehab or performance so we realized this early on and then we started saying okay w- what if After doing the the rehab portion, we're able to uh, provide this person with the tools necessary so they continue doing this on their own, right? So start thinking now, they already know how to apply the cuff. They've already done the exercises with us. But now they benefit from continuing doing this in a rehab setting. um, And they don't need to necessarily be supervised as far as us watching them do this all the time, but they benefit from doing it two, three times a week, uh, depending on what you're trying to achieve. If it's um, endurance, deal to max goals, they might do it five, six times a week. So what we did it with with having a cuff that is safe to use and it allows you to, to control these parameters is create a channel so they're either able to rent it from us or they're able to buy their own cuff depending on how long their, their goals are going to be. Um, and we will design a program that fits their goals so now we're talking about them going home with the tools necessary and a program designed by one of us that it's specifically targeting these tools to continue
4: getting those results faster yeah, and that programming is is quite specific because you know bfr is fatiguing right literature shows us that your maximal voluntary contraction would drop quite considerably after a round of bfr when performed. You know, in more of a low to moderate intensity training. So, if we're talking about an athlete who's about to go and jump into a game, yeah, I'm probably not going to want to use you know that type of fatiguing protocol. So, I'm likely going to want to use a you know a separate protocol that the literature shows us might have a the capacity to reduce the amount of muscle tissue breakdown after high intensity training, or b have the capacity to restore MVC after fatigue. Uh, So, I think we start kind of going into the, uh, the the minutia of programming, which we start understanding that, you know, some templates and some approaches, uh, can be done in a very, um, kind of cookie cutter fashion to a degree. You know, I think the, the simpler, the goal, the the simpler, the program can be Mario. I want to make my arms as I want to make, I want to put an inch on my arms. Okay. Maybe a beginner intermediate to a more advanced program maybe the first one starting off four weeks with the next two being six week based programs are likely going to be a better way to approach that. Uh, But if it's like, Hey Mario, you know, I need to be able to, I have a competition coming up in six months. I've got my coach who's written out a program for me. I heard BFR has a lot of benefits. I want to know how to strategically place this in there. So I'm not going to be doing myself harm. That's where we put our heads together and said, you know what? There is no one-size-fits-all in that scenario, and we don't want to underserve athletes who either, A, this is their job, this is their income, this is the way that they put food on the table for their family, but also, B, this is potentially an opportunity for, uh, you know, for them to be able to just live a dream. This is what they want to do, right? Um, and creating that avenue for individualized programming is one area where we've noticed that you know, uh, with our level of expertise, in both BFR, but also a level of expertise in program design um, that it was a perfect marriage to basically come up with an opportunity to uh, give athletes the ability to provide for us relevant information about their medical history in a controlled and, and private way um, with their consent and then acquire information about their coaching and then give them something individualized and have an ability to also check up with them. So. Um, I think that now starts to kind of look a lot like what you would see in terms of just your internet-based programming, but niched and focused within BFR um, and obviously not done in any sort of anecdotal way. You know, I think that's probably where we find a lot of problems is that, you know, it's okay to be excited about BFR uh, and it's likely not gonna go anywhere. Like you guys said in the beginning, I see BFR potentially continuing only to uh, help increase more questions but definitely provide more answers, uh, especially if are thinking about our ability to one uh, day go to Mars, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we acclimate ourselves to a lower gravity environment where not just our muscles are at risk, but uh, our brain is at risk, right?
0: Yeah, okay. of course. So,
4: uh, so anyways, yeah, we, we, we needed to, to provide more more programming. So when you're talking about like with athletes specifically, yeah, it depends where they're at, what they need to do. Um, and, you know, Nicholas has done an awesome job of helping to synthesize a lot of the research into a lot of the infograms that he's put up
1: yeah. on. Yeah, I love those. Those are great.
4: Yeah. And, and likely what now with our powers combined, right, we're going to be doing through the BFR pros um, to have much more of that kind of constant dialogue. Right. Um, That's uh, we want to inspire. We want to motivate and we definitely want to educate so people are not afraid of BFR. You know, we don't, we want the stigma of you're reducing blood flow. Well, how does that make any sense to go away to people starting to understand that, wow, okay, it's, it's a lot like exercise. Uh, Again, we're just um, removing some of the the necessary components of heavy weight or higher intensity to do that, but um, to provide a direction, right? So people feel that they can, they can get on this path. Um, There's a start there's an end and then they can continually keep from there learning more about it, how to apply it to themselves or, you know, like in in our professions, how to apply it to different patient populations that, um, you know, uh, that are at need. So, uh,
0: yeah. It's it's funny kind of what I mean, learning about all this, um, because, you know, I feel like if I would have known about BFR three or four years back, it might've saved my soccer career. Um, (laughs) No, I, it's like it's one of those things I actually have um, I have abnormally large like varicose veins from an injury a while back. And, um, and it was kind of like during my college days when I was playing. And I'd, I'd gotten a surgery done to kind of remove some veins and stuff and hoping that it would help. And it, it never really helped. But it's kind of one of those things now where, you know, it's like a limiting factor to where it's like clockwork. 60 minutes into every game, I know my, my, my calves, pretty much everything from the waist down is going to start cramping up. And it's, and it's just kind of a clockwork thing. But yeah, it's 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 interesting hearing about like you know BFR and just new kind of approaches, interventions in general, um, and kind of just new ways of looking at things. Um, But kind of piggybacking off that, you know, one thing you talked about is you know knowing the science behind what it is you're doing. And from a PTA perspective, um, and I'm not saying across across the field, but for a majority, I, I think that there's a lack of you know truly buying into that, like, you know, knowing what you're doing with what, what it is that you're using. And so I I think what happens from our side of the, you know, the field is that we see things, whether, you know, whether it is BFR or cupping or whatever new is coming out and we jump on those things without really understanding what it is we're doing. It's just kind of force fed to us. And we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to do it because it was whether in the plan of the care from the PT or, you know, whether it's something that we just want to try, but we we don't really understand. Um, So kind of going into that, you know, with your courses and stuff, you know, what, what opportunities are there for PTAs to come, you know, and kind of get educated and, and understand more, you know, about BFR. Um, and if that's something that, you know, they wanted to implement in their practice.
4: Mm-hmm. I think on, on, the, on the most simplest and economical way is start following the BFR pros. You know, you're going to be gaining top tier education and information from us. Um, obviously, if you were to right now, just head over to uh, the BFRpros.com. There's a free startup guide. We spent uh, a good amount of time finding a way to take that high science language and break it down into a lay understanding of what's happening when you perform VFR and give you a uh, a, a, a taste, so to speak, of uh, obviously the benefits, um, some of the protocols that are being used and what the science has shown us. So that we're helping to create you know a sense of action you know a call to action so to speak so that's the first place i would go um is coming up oh yeah so obviously we've got we've got uh, some content that is coming down the pipeline that's going to be specific to um uh cuff uh information uh application information um education on how this should be spoken about you know uh, if we're talking to an athlete uh, the types of protocols that they're going to be using. Um, and I can't read.
0: <laughs> that's all good.
4: Oh, marketing. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest ones. You want to kind of talk on that, man. You're that's That's been your baby for a little while. Yeah. I
3: mean, and I just want to hit briefly on understanding what you're doing. Um, you know, in general, you know, BFR across the board, has been shown to be safe. Um, you know, you can go back to as early as 2006 and this guy, Nakajima, did a cross-sectional study uh, in Japan, because where BFR was originating, it was in actually in the 60s, so it's been around for 50 plus years, um, but really has started to, to get steam toward mainstream. Recently within the last 10 years and really within the last three or four. It's really picked up But uh, Nakajima they were doing study. They, they did a cross-sectional study of twelve thousand six hundred and forty two and don't ask me why I know that I just <laughs> um, Across 103 different gyms in Japan uh, And really like they were using bands you can imagine what these gym goers were using but uh, they, the, the most common side effect was bruising at 13.1%. And then the rest was like cold feeling or a little numbness and tingling at under 1%, 1.5% or so. So like generally, it's safe. But the issue that is, is that when we're working in clinical populations, we have a duty to do no harm and being responsible for... The, the well-being of our patients, but also the well-being of our own careers and knowing that um, that we have a duty to use medical-grade equipment. And so with the courses, being able to understand on a general basis what you're doing when you're applying a, a tourniquet or the medical cuff, uh, and the adaptations that you're going to elicit are, are really, really, really important and something that I don't take lightly and, and I make sure that people can do. So that's important, circling back to the original question about marketing is because if you don't understand what you are actually doing, how the hell can you market your service to somebody that has no idea what blood flow restriction actually is? Exactly. So it's, it's really important to, to get that points across in a very patient-friendly, but also now consumer-friendly basis. So what we're doing at the bfr pros is we're trying to synthesize some of that very complex information and offer a platform that people can buy these uh these uh systems, these systems or these handouts or even you know videos to make very bfr very accessible to uh, anybody, and also marketing to physicians for referrals. These are all very important, uh, very important aspects of BFR because BFR has a terrible name. Blood flow restriction is an awful name, but <laughs> I spent I spent more time than I care to admit trying to come up with an alternative name, and I just you can't do it. You can't do it because there's hypoxic training is equally as bad. Yeah. Hypoxic training is awful. It's better for results, bro. And, and yeah, I mean, so yeah. we're looking at BFR as being, you know, what is BFR? Well, BFR is better for results, better for results for X, better, better for results for already, you know,
0: so I like that. That's good.
3: So, yeah. So that's kind of where the marketing is, is kind of headed and we're going to have resources for anybody Anybody that, that wants to increase their business and marketing potential uh, by utilizing BFR? Because we do, I mean, I know in particular I do, um, but trying to spread the word toward other physicians that have no idea what's going on uh, with, with the application of a tourniquet. Um, yeah.
4: so. and, and obviously, you know, for, for, for our time right now, we, uh, we do teach courses, uh, a level one course of BFR, which is an eight hour course um that does provide ceus yes to pts DCATC, ATC uh nasm um, nsca um, ot we have ptas i do attend our course i just had four ptas in my course that i just had here um and
1: going to uh, the one in kansas city here in two weeks so i'm super stoked about that for yeah, three weeks yeah. awesome
4: so. cool so we'll, we'll do some uh some instagram and some uh, <laughs> uh some facebook stuff but <laughs> Yeah, so that, that course is available uh, to take. Again, it's an it's an eight hour level one course that really starts at the foundation, uh, provides information where BFR came from, where BFR is now. It's going to give you perspective where it's going, and obviously a lot of hands on time for application, uh, so that you as a um, as a allied health member understand. Uh, When you receive a note and somebody's written down, patient's going to be performing BFR, you're like, ah, makes sense why they're going to be doing this. But also on the flip side, to be able to say, hey, um, I think patient's ready to progress. Uh, They've been doing X, Y, Z. They're doing great measuring the limb circumference. It's doing freaking awesome. Uh, Their pain scores are just going super low because we're constantly exposing them to a small amount of threat, right? And that's helping to improve their overall. Uh, you know, perception. Yeah. So uh, they're ready to progress guy. You know, let's, I want to write, you know, a couple exercises and do some extra things in there, but understanding, you know, uh, some of the science, but you also have to get behind a tourniquet yourself. Like with anything, you got to do it. Okay. And your own experience with BFR pays dividends because when you see somebody performing it and you know, that you've got them working hard, you just want to give them a high five afterwards. (laughs) Know what that feels like and that, that was not an easy task to get through. So
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's and, that, and that's kind of, you know, bringing you guys on, you know, our, our main goal you know, is, and from a PTA side was you know to kind of Educate honestly, you know to let you guys be a voice, you know for the PTAs because like you said, you know if, if your PT, you know Is going to these courses and implementing these things in the clinic whether it's acute or outpatient or you know cash based or whatever they're doing um, you know, we want, we want PTAs to have a good understanding of, you know, what, or common knowledge, you know, what, what, what is going on, you know, what they're trying to do. Um, but also to take an active interest in those things. Cause I think, you know, that's for you guys, you know, going forward, you know, BFR, being the BFR pros and wanting to, you know, push that, um, and kind of spread, spread that, you know, we want, you know, PTAs to get behind that too, um, and take an active approach in it along with all, you know, other allied health members, um, so you know, that was a huge reason, you know, we wanted to get you guys on. Um obviously you know so much about the topic. Uh a lot of it, you know, some of it was like this over top me, that's for <laughs> sure. But um but no, I, I I mean it it was good. Um kind of, you know, learning from you guys and taking it all in. And so Eddie, you got
1: you got anything? No, it's it's been great, guys. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about this. Um just to kind of give you guys the last couple of minutes, you guys wanna, you know, do a plug for for smart tools or, or your BFR page, like where people can find you if they want to learn more, or um, any Facebook pages or Twitter, or Instagram, whatever um, best pages to reach out to you or anything. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. I you mean,
3: all right, obviously uh, <laughs> guide people to the BFR pros on Instagram and the BFR are uh, we're, we're, we're vigorously filming a lot of stuff, so there's going to be some more, plenty more content in the upcoming weeks uh specifically with the programming aspect um my own personal instagram the human performance mechanic i post way too much on bfr but it's just <laughs> stuff that i find interesting uh and so anybody that really wants to follow a very bfr centered instagram account that's that's kind of me i know uh jordan has the as bfr training uh on his account and uh and mario's lifters clinic Uh, Along with any other links that you'd want. I mean, obviously they can find out so they can go You can go if you want us to if you want us to teach a course um, You can always go to the BFR pros reach out to us via message. It literally does not cost the clinics host site anything Um, It's more along the lines of just making sure that we can get enough people to come We have courses that we're going to be teaching Uh, specific to the smart tools courses that will be on our on our website as well. So you know that those courses that you'll be registering for will be taught by either myself, Jordan or Mario. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if there's really anything. Well,
2: the last one is,
4: last one's going to be YouTube. So we've really been cognizant about uh, just where this information should be. So long form videos, uh, a lot of educational videos will be on, uh, will be on YouTube.
0: Okay. Um,
4: and then, obviously, some short-form things are going to pop up on things like Instagram and Facebook. And we're really trying to get around to having, you know, more time uh, to be able to, to provide weekly uh, little webinars um, or weekly check-ins where we have some education, or, or even like a research uh, roundtable where we have some of the actual researchers uh, in the realm of BFR come on board so we can interview them. And I think that will kind of provide insight uh, into. A bit deeper questions that maybe want to be asked, uh, but also highlight the people that are doing the hard work. It's not easy doing research. It's not easy um, getting it through its final stages. It's not cheap getting research published, so, um, which we spoke about earlier. Uh, but uh, yeah, so those are all the areas that you can definitely reach out to us. We are more than happy to help field questions that you have in terms of safety uh, and application. And uh, we really hope that uh, within a very you know short period of time, we're able to provide a good service you know to uh, uh, to our equal respect professions and uh, and make uh, accelerate human performance you know through the BFR pros. So awesome,
0: awesome yeah. guys. Well, are our, our meeting's about to end up here. So we appreciate you guys coming on. We wish you the best of luck going forward, and definitely uh, hopefully look to link up with you guys in the near future. I know Eddie's obviously going to get out to a class there, but uh, yeah. definitely on my end, I'll try to get out there. Uh, meet you guys in person but yeah appreciate it guys thanks, awesome. thanks guys have a good one
1: awesome right. Take care,
0: guys. and that is going to wrap up tape 15 our series on the bfr pros talking about blood flow restriction if you're interested in this stuff if you want to bring it into your practice go check these guys out reach out they'd be happy to talk to you let us know what you think if you're using this or currently in your practice reach out we want to talk to you we want to know what that's like how it's working for you all the above and stay tuned tape 16 another special guest coming your way it's going to be legit some fire content from a very fire person off the west coast we're not going to drop names yet so come back see you soon